You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Good morning. Good morning. Good to see you. Good to see those of you that are visiting with us online. I'm glad that you're staying with us in this season. And uh, we have... uh, a nice number of people here this morning, too, so it's great to see people in person. Great to know that people are with us online, wherever you are. Those of you who are in Indiana, uh, who beat Penn State yesterday, I love you, but I don't like what you did, okay? But, you know, that's okay. I love you anyhow. Um, but I know, it's tough, isn't it? Yeah, we don't like to lose. I even wore my Steeler mask today just to give them an extra boost. Hopefully they can do that. You know, this season at Riverside, we have been talking about the main thing that Jesus talked about. More than anything else, this message that we've been talking about was Jesus' message, right? It's what he came to impart, it's what he preached about, and it's the directive that he gave his followers to go out and tell all about. What is it? What is it that we've been talking about? It's, It's about the kingdom of heaven. It's about the kingdom of God. And Jesus' proclamation was the kingdom of heaven has arrived. And with that arrival of the kingdom of heaven, citizenship in the kingdom of heaven is available now. It's available now to anyone who's ready to enter in. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter your nationality. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter your gender, your language, your education. It doesn't matter where you've come from, what you've done. It doesn't even matter your political party. The kingdom of heaven is open for you, and it's ready for you. And it's the thing that Jesus taught us to pray for. In fact, he said that we should seek it above every other thing, and he said it's the news that we should be passing on everywhere we go. And so I think I just need to remind us, what is the kingdom of heaven? Simply put, it's the place where the king of heaven is. It's the place where Jesus shows up. And then that begs the question, then what does it look like? Well, it looks like Jesus. The kingdom of heaven looks like Jesus. The kingdom of heaven acts like Jesus. It loves like Jesus. It forgives like Jesus. It heals like Jesus. It cares like Jesus. It gives like Jesus. It breaks down barriers like Jesus. It sacrifices for others like Jesus. It drives out darkness and it lights a pathway to God like Jesus did. That's what the kingdom of heaven looks like. And so here's the thought. The kingdom of heaven exists wherever the ways of Jesus are believed and behaved. Let that sink in for just a second. The kingdom of heaven exists wherever the ways of Jesus are believed and behaved. In this series, we're talking about the coming kingdom, the kingdom to come, the heaven that awaits us. But I want to talk today a little bit about how that heaven that awaits us shapes us for, the, for how we live as citizens in that place now. Because citizenship in the kingdom exists But how many of you would agree with me that this isn't heaven? Right? And in fact, in a very real sense, we are now expats. We are now strangers and aliens 
living in the kingdoms of this world, but our citizenship is elsewhere. In fact, Paul said this very clearly in Philippians when he said, we are citizens of heaven and we are eagerly awaiting for our Savior to come from there. And so today, on October 25th, 2020, with COVID on the rise, nine days left for this election, as citizens of these, what I would call disunited states of America, because we're not very united, how is citizenship in heaven looking to you? Maybe a simpler question is, how's heaven looking to you now, right? I'm longing for heaven. I'm longing for heaven. Looks pretty good to me. There's not going to be, there will be no elections in heaven. There will be no politicians in heaven. There will be no viruses in heaven. There will be no pandemics in heaven. There will be no anti-social media in heaven. And it's become, it's not social media anymore, it's anti-social media. And so we have to ask the question, not only how does heaven look for you, to you, but here's maybe the question of the day. How is heaven looking on you? How is citizenship in heaven looking on you? In other words, are you wearing heaven well? A phrase my mother used to use whenever she was exasperated with my brother and I would be, for heaven's sake, right? For heaven's sake, boys, stop fighting. For heaven's sake, boys, eat your vegetables. For heaven's sake, boys, put your clothes in the hamper. For heaven's sake, boys, turn the music down. For heaven's sake, stop bouncing that ball. For heaven's sake, go outside and play. Get out of my hair. For heaven's sake, act your age. Anybody have parents who use that phrase? <laughs> they still using it right there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an interesting idiom, for heaven's sake. I wonder where that came from. I guess parents use it when they think that their kids won't do something for their own sake or for the parents' sake, right? So we have to call on a higher authority, right? Right? And sometimes it's not heaven's sake. Sometimes it's for God's sake. Sometimes it's for Christ's sake, right? That we tell people. And I don't recommend using that because I don't think we should be using Jesus' name that way. But I wonder what God says when he gets exasperated with his children. I wonder what he thinks looking down on us now, what he's thinking. And I just wonder if God is saying, for heaven's sake, act like a citizen of heaven. Act like a citizen of heaven. So my question is, how can we do that? How practically can we do that? How is my citizenship in heaven helping me to navigate the complexities of this kingdom in which we live? How can I handle with the, the divisiveness, the fears, the uncertainties of today? I, I, I believe that we, we, tend, we humans tend to be pretty myopic when it comes to world history. We 
We think that, oh, these must be the last days. Look at all the fires. Look at all the hurricanes. Look at all the, yeah, yeah. This has to be the last days. And it might be. I'm not saying it isn't. But there were some pretty bad days in human history. In fact, when the scriptures were written, things were pretty bad. Things were pretty tough. The Apostle Paul, who wrote about half of the New Testament, went through some really, really difficult times. And and when he was facing some very divisive, very fearful times, he wrote a most transparent letter to the believers in the town of Corinth. And he was very open about the struggles that he faced and how in the midst of all the struggles that he faced, he coped with those troubles. And in fact, it's the second letter that he wrote to the Corinthians, and it's quite different than the first one he wrote to them. But, but notice, he opens it up after giving them a greeting. He says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. He goes on. Verse 8, he says, We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships that we suffered in the province of Asia. This is where he starts to get really vulnerable. He says, We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. I thought I was going to die, he said. But he has delivered us from such deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. There's a lot of anxiety today. Outside of even the election, the pandemic, and all of that, people are struggling. Are you struggling? It's understandable. I think we all are. Somebody said that, that the whole world is living with this low level of, uh, of depression, this low level of anxiety. My sister's a therapist. I know that uh, so many others of you do uh, counseling and therapy and and, and your, your account is full. Your phone is ringing off the hook. How can we, as citizens of heaven, cope? How do we do that? I want to pray. I want to look at what Paul writes about here to the Corinthians, of how he learned to cope in the midst of his difficult times. I think we can learn from it. Don't you think? That might be helpful. God, help us to glean from Paul's experience and Paul's writing and the truth of Scripture, how we now can be better citizens of heaven for heaven's sake because of you in our life. Speak to us, I pray. And I pray for anyone, especially who might be feeling that this really is what they need to hear today. I hope everybody feels that way, but I think there are some that very acutely feel that. So help us, God. 
Spirit of God, do what I can't do with my words. Apply these scriptures to our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You see, it's interesting because Paul's prior letter that he wrote, 1 Corinthians, it was pretty harsh. It was really coming down on these Corinthian believers because they were a pretty messed up bunch. They were fighting among each other. They were divisive. Everybody was, I belong to Paul. I belong to Paulus, you know. These are my gifts. They're better than your gifts. Everybody's measuring themselves against one another and figuring out who they would vote to be their pastor and all that stuff. And it's just, it was a mess. And he really came down hard on them. They were putting up with some pretty glaring immorality and sinfulness among them and uh, fighting over whose gifts were more important. And, And so he had to clarify a lot of that. It's interesting when you read this letter, it has a whole different tone to it because Paul experienced a lot, and I think the Corinthians learned a lot from his first letter. But it's far more personal, far more merciful, and far more vulnerable, to the point where even in this letter, Paul says, you know what, I have this thing that I'm dealing with, this thorn in my flesh that I've been praying for and praying for and praying for, and frankly, God didn't take it away, but he gave me, he gave me hope, he gave me an answer. It's there to help mold me and make me into a better person. It's, it's that God's grace is going to help me no matter what I'm going through. It's sufficient for me. But here, in, I, want to, I want to, if you have your scripture, turn to uh, chapter 4. If you have the app, you can follow along with the, the notes there, if you're following along there online or if you have it here. And uh, in chapter 4, he talks about how we have this treasure in jars of clay, that, that, that these bodies of ours are fragile, and yet we have this, this priceless treasure within us that we are carrying. And he talks about the ministry of, of the gospel. And we don't preach ourselves, but we preach Christ and, and Christ crucified God who led light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. And we have this treasure of jars of clay. He goes on and he talks about how death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. And and, and he says that all of, uh, uh, I believe, therefore, I've spoken, verse 13, with the same spirit of faith, we also believe and speak because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in God's presence. That's the kingdom to come. That's the heaven that we long for and we look for. So Paul talks about how resurrection, Jesus' resurrection, and our baptism, which symbolizes Jesus' resurrection and our resurrection from our past to our present, and also the hope that we have for our future resurrection. So, so all of that is the backdrop to what I want to talk about right here. And really, verse 16 is what I want to focus in right now. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Have you been losing heart? Have you been losing faith? Have you been losing heart these days? Therefore, he said, we don't lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. I want to talk about three, three simple principles that I think Paul learned to live by 
in the midst of all the struggles of his day. And I think the principles that are universal that we can live by today. And the first one is this. For heaven's sake, hold tightly to the hope that we have. Don't let go of it. Paul wrote elsewhere, he said, if only in this life we have hope, we are to be pitied above all people. But it's not just this life. There is a heaven promised us. Paul endured through difficulty and suffering because he knew that heaven would cause all the hell of earth to be forgotten. One minute in heaven and you will forget all the hell you've gone through on earth. He says, I consider, this was in Romans, he said, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. For creation waits with this sense of eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. That's, that's the hope that we have. We always are waiting for it. We all want to know what happens after we die, right? Is, is this life all there is? Is there life after this? What can I do to affect my destiny, if anything? Will we be able to recognize each other in heaven? What will our bodies be like in heaven? Great questions. Great questions. There are a lot of people who claim to have the answers that can communicate with the dead, right? There are mediums that people will pay a lot of money to so that they can communicate with those beyond the grave and tell us what it's like. I mean, everybody wants to know. But I want to go to the greatest authority on this, wouldn't you? The greatest authority of this who said the following, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. And, and, and if that were not so, I would have told you. But I'm going there, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and make a place for you, I'm going to come and take you to be there with me. So in light of eternity, COVID-19 is a blink on the radar. In light of eternity, the president, whoever that is and whoever that may be, is not going to be my savior. There will be somebody else in that seat in the not too distant future. The world will not come to an end. I don't care what commercials you watch. And so Paul goes on to write, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. For we know that if this earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we're clothed, we'll not be found naked. For while we're in this tent... This life we groan and we're burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may put on, may be swallowed up by life or immortality. And now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God 
who has given us his spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Here's the facts. Life is fleeting. Many of you have said goodbye to loved ones. I don't care how old they are when they go. It still doesn't seem long enough, right? Said goodbye to my dad who died in 93 earlier this summer. And uh, no, it could have been. I wish it was longer. But COVID got him. I wish it was longer. I wish it was longer. I like what the scripture says in Psalm 103. All our days on earth are like grass. They're just like wildflowers. We bloom and we die. That's a depressing thought, I know. But it's only depressing if you think that this is all there is. Right? Uh, The writer to Ecclesiastes, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. And another translation of that could read, fleeting, fleeting. Everything is fleeting. And that's really how this life is. And when each of us get to that place, if Christ doesn't bring heaven to earth first, then we will all say, wow, it went so fast. This life went so quickly. Because these bodies are mortal. He uses the metaphor here as a tent, like a tent. If this earthly tent is destroyed, how many of you go camping? Now, I'm not talking about luxury camping. I I don't count, you know, the 40-foot big, um, you know, mobile home camping. That's not camping. That does not count. I'm talking about pitching a tent, putting a sleeping bag on the ground, and, and camping, right? I was a Boy Scout. We did that. <clears throat> I did it with my family for when we were younger. We did pull a pop-up camp on a trip one time, and that was a little luxurious, but not like the, those of you that have the biggies out there. I have relative cousins that go camping in those big things. It's like, you guys aren't camping. That doesn't count. <clears throat> but camping is fun. It's nice to have this adventure, to rough it, to do something different, to get out there. But it's sure nice to come home and sleep in your bed afterwards. It's nice to pull that comforter up over your head and be able to adjust the temperature in your room. There's a show that I just heard about recently and been watching recently in COVID. You know, I'm struggling to find good shows these days. Alone. Have you ever seen the show Alone? It's on the History Channel. I I recommend that. I think there's seven or eight seasons. I've watched the first season and the last season. Excuse me. And it's just, it's it's an adventure. It's they take these people who are survivalists, you know, these people who claim that they can live out in the wild by themselves, and so they test them. And they take ten of them and they take them to some place way out in the wilderness, different locations. One was a rainforest, one was Antarctica. And they drop them off and they give them 60 pounds worth of video equipment and they're allowed to take 10 things with them, including their sleeping bag and a tarp and a knife and a bow and arrow if they want or whatever they think they can do, some fishing line. Uh, and And they're told to go out there and live by themselves alone with no contact to the outside world or the other 10 people. They're all separated. And whoever lasts out there the longest wins a half a million dollars. You're welcome, History Channel, for that commercial. 
But it's funny because these people are amazing. I mean, some of them bail out real quickly whenever the, uh, the bear uh, comes against their tent at night or, or uh, uh, whatever, um, or they get injured. Um, but some of them, man, they get out there and they do well. They, they, they make their tents and then they build, some of them build log cabins out there in the woods. But I don't care who they are or how great a survivalist they are. By the end of it, they are longing for home. They can't wait to get home. They can't wait to see their loved ones. They can't wait to be with the children. They can't wait to be in their house again, no matter how good they can survive out there. They can't wait. And here's the thing. I think many of us on this earth right now, whatever you're going through, you feel all alone. And you're doing your best to sustain yourself. You're doing your best to keep food in your stomach and a roof over your head. You're doing your best to stay in contact with other people, but the loneliness just grows and grows and grows. That loneliness, no matter if people are around you, if you live alone, that loneliness is a longing that God put inside of you for a better home, a better place, an eternal home, the coming kingdom. And the older I become, the less hold I have on these things that I am going to leave behind because I realize that life is fleeting. But the Holy Spirit guarantees me there's more to come, that this body isn't the end of the story. No matter how bad this story is, it's not the final story. This isn't all there is. There's more to come. And here's the good news. My next body is going to be my best body. It's going to be better than this one. Can everybody say, hallelujah. It won't grow old. It won't get arthritis. It, it, it'll continue. I don't know what it's going to be like completely, but I know it's going to be better. So the question is, will we be better citizens? Or I'm sorry, the statement is, we will be better citizens if we hold tightly to the hope that we have. And we need to hold lightly to hear. I don't know if I said that earlier. Heaven's sake, hold lightly to hear. Hold tightly to hope, but hold lightly. So we need to hold these two things in balance, right? We have a heaven to hold on to, and we have an earth to hold lightly, because it's not going to be ours. So here's the last thing, and let me read the scripture first. It says, therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and we would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Notice where home is. Home is with the Lord, right? So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or we are away from it. And so here's the last principle that I think Paul learned to live by was this. For heaven's sake, live here as if you're a citizen there. Live here as if you're already there. What's the difference between living by sight and living by faith? Well, I think one of the differences is this. If I live by sight, it's all about what I'm going to lose. It's all about what I'm currently losing. I'm losing my health. I'm losing my beauty. I'm losing my strength. I'm losing my mind. I'm losing loved ones. I'm losing my career. 
But if I live by faith, it's all about what I gain. It's all about what's coming. It's all about the better future. And I think if we can live with that sense of, yes, we have this coming for us, and that's going to help me live here. I love what Paul said to the Philippians. He said, to live is Christ right now. I'm going to live for Christ. But to die is even better. So whether I'm here or whether I'm gone, it's all good. It's all good. I'm gaining a new body. I'm gaining a new mind. I'm gaining new knowledge. I'm gaining a new and improved family and friends. I mean, good Lord, can you not wait for that? I mean, I I love my family. I love my friends. But you'll even be better on the other side. And hopefully I will too. In the meantime, he says, I make it my goal to please him. I make it my goal right now to please him. One writer said this, in heaven, God will make all things right. The God who promises us that kind of heaven is at work now in us to infect the world with making things right everywhere we go. Do you hear that? In heaven, God's going to make everything right, but now we're infected with heaven, and our role now is to help make things right everywhere we go. That's what Jesus said. Pray, God. Our Father who art in heaven, you are holy. You are hallowed. May your kingdom come. May your will be done here now on earth as it is in heaven. That's the, that's the mandate that we are given. And those who live here and now, as if they are going to be there later, have nothing to fear when they are suddenly there. Think about that. Because Paul ends this with this statement. And I'm going to ask the band to come at this time. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. That's a sobering statement in many ways, isn't it? But if you're living now as if you're already there, there's nothing to fear. There's nothing to fear. Sadly, Heaven isn't made for everyone. Why? Because not everyone wants heaven. Well, I thought everyone would want to go to heaven. No. If you don't want to live as if you're in heaven now, why would you want to live in heaven forever? Because it's not a place you want. Do you get that? Do you understand that? C.S. Lewis, in in his book, The Great Divorce, imagined what heaven would be like. And He famously said this. He said, there are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God says, thy will be done. You don't want heaven. You don't want to be with God here on earth. You don't want to live with Jesus now. Why would God make you do something you don't want to do for the rest of eternity? Your will be done. In other words, God won't send somebody to heaven against their will. This life is fleeting. God's going to give you what you want when this life is over. He'll say to you, have your way. Thy will be done. You want to live like the devil now? You can have that forever if you want. But if you don't believe that this is all there is, 
and that there is a coming kingdom. And that kingdom now grants you citizenship now to live for that kingdom, the higher kingdom than all the kingdoms and countries of this world. If you live as a citizen in that kingdom now, it affects the way you deal with the kingdoms in which you live now as an alien and stranger. It affects the way you treat other people. I had a friend who told me this. You might have seen it elsewhere, but said it this way. God is less concerned about who you vote for than he is about how you treat those who vote differently than you. Does that make sense? It's important who you vote for. I'm not saying it isn't. But he's more concerned about how you treat others because that's that's what the kingdom of heaven is, right? That's what citizens of the kingdom of heaven act like. That's what it looks like. We need to look like Jesus. We need to act like Jesus. Heaven's going to be a society that's characterized by love, justice, mercy, holiness, and peace. People who are citizens of heaven make it their goal to develop the character that's fit for heaven. We are are to commit now to a world that looks like that kind of heaven. And if heaven is this eternal, global fellowship Heaven people are not so nationalistic that they hate other countries and they hate other people who aren't like them, who don't look like them, don't speak like them, who aren't like them in many other ways. If the final heaven is an eternal, beloved community where racism and classism and ethnic hierarchies end, one writer said, then they live now in that kind of a beloved community with one another. a citizen of heaven? How's it looking on you? How are you wearing that now? For heaven's sake, let's act like citizens of heaven. Because the kingdom of heaven is wherever the ways of Jesus are believed and behaved. And here and now, we are to expand that kingdom so that we can enjoy it forever in the coming kingdom. Would you bow your heads with me? Jesus, thank you that you opened the door, that you left heaven and came to earth to show us what heaven is like and to make it possible for us to have that sure hope. You sent the Holy Spirit into the world and into our lives as a deposit to assure us that the better is yet to come, but you also gave us the Holy Spirit that we would live now by the power of the Spirit of Christ in us. Paul said, no longer us who me, I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. So God, help people see Jesus in us, even now, in this most difficult season. Help people see Jesus in us. Help us to wear heaven well. God, if there's anyone here who's doubting whether or not they could be a citizen of heaven, help them to understand that this is the whole reason why you came, so that anybody could come and say, Jesus, I, I, I want, I want it, I want, I want, I want 
to come in and I want you to come in. I want to come in, enter into heaven, but I want you to enter into me. So Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my past, of my sins, of my faults and my failures. May your grace be sufficient for this life as it has been for Paul's life. Give us hope that we can hold on to and help us hold lightly to the things of this world so that we can live now as if we are a citizen there. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.